What's going on, everyone? Welcome into this special edition of the Locked On Crossover Podcast. I'm the host of Locked On, the Louisville Dalton Pence. With me, host of Locked On Pit, Nick Faribault. Nick, how's it going, man? It's going extremely well, Dalton. Listen, it's a good matchup coming out here between Pitt and Louisville. Pitt goes on the road. Louisville gets Malik Cunningham back. A lot of storylines in this one, and I think what's a must-win for both teams. I definitely agree. Before we get into that, uh, just a reminder, today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Louisville Cardinals, the Pittsburgh Panthers taking on each other at Cardinal Stadium this Saturday, um, homecoming weekend for the Louisville Cardinals. As Nick mentioned, it is a must-win game for different reasons for both programs. We're going to dive into the rationales behind that. We'll talk about the key matchups, and then we'll get into a little fun segment, talk about some predictions, what to watch for, so on and so forth. So, um yeah, let's get right on into it, Nick. Like you mentioned before the show, I, I don't really know why I didn't put two and two together because I think that, you know, Pittsburgh is still um, in the hunt somewhat for, you know, the ACC uh, Coastal Division. Louisville, it's a little bit of a different situation, but we both have come to the conclusion early on that the main storylines for both teams is, look, both teams need to win. Unfortunately, one team can only come out victorious. So, in your opinion, for Pat Darduzzi's squad, why is this such a critical game for the Panthers? Well, it, it looks like the Coastal's wide open. Like, there is no one that has come up and stepped up to take the Coastal. Now, you can argue all about North Carolina with their big win over Duke. Maybe they're the, the front runners. Maybe it's even Georgia Tech, if you're into that, and their resurgence after Jeff Sims was – you know, got hot and they fired Jeff Collins. Um, it, it, it can be a question. You can put Duke in there. You can put Pitt in there still. And that's why this is a must-win game for Pitt. Pitt's in this thing. They had a really bad loss to Georgia Tech. That should have never happened. That was very obvious. But they came back the next week and they they stomped Virginia Tech. And, and they did it so dominantly um, on the ground. And that was something that kind of creeped back up. Because remember, this is a Pitt team that took what is now going to be a top five Tennessee team to overtime. This is a pit team that has showcased the ability to do a lot of good things this year. And, and so it, it really, if you look at Pitt's schedule, if they play what they can do, they could probably run the table. And that's what I think most Pitt fans are probably hoping they can do here, go 10-2, and two, and then the loss to Georgia Tech is a much, much distant memory. And that's why this is a, a must-win game too. Because honestly – you look at their schedule from here on out. The easiest game is probably Virginia left. It's not a, There's not a lot of easy games. Miami looks a lot easier than it did, obviously, at the beginning of the year. But UNC next week is going to be a tough matchup. Then it's Syracuse after that. That's not going to be easy. Syracuse is a ranked team, undefeated right now. We'll see how real they are against Clemson this week. But that's going to be a tough game. It doesn't have a tough schedule schedule but they have games where everything's a toss-up and this is another one of those and, and you, they're going on the road for the first time since going to western michigan all the way back on september 18th um so this is a long time coming for Pitt to finally get back on the road but they're healthy now and Pitt had to come out of that bye week they had to work out a lot of issues that they were having after really the first two games it appeared like they were starting to really hit their stride 
And then Keaton Slovis got hurt and everything kind of went awry. So really, this is a must-win game because Pitt, quite honestly, has position in the Coastal to do what they want to do if they want it. Uh, it's not a terrifically hard schedule, and they have the talent to be just about everyone left on that schedule. But Dalton, I know for Louisville on the other side, it's a little bit of a must-win game, I think, for a different type of reason. Malik Cunningham is back. That's obviously a huge story in this one. So the Cardinals will have their star quarterback back, but they got to win this one because of Scott Satterfield. Yeah, um, it's crazy to think of how polarizingly different the rationales are behind um, claiming that both teams need to win this game. And like you said, for Pittsburgh, it's aspirations toward trying to get back to the ACC championship game. For Louisville, simply put, it's Scott Satterfield coaching for his job. Um, granted, you know, the bowl eligibility is still obtainable. Um, the Cardinals didn't really do themselves many favors early on in the season. They went three and three through the first six games, probably a stretch of the year where they probably needed to go four and two at the very worst because you've got Clemson, you have Wake Forest, uh, NC State. Sure, Devin Leary is no longer um, going to be playing this year with this injury, uh, but still, I mean, NC State is a formidable opponent. You have Kentucky as well. And then Pittsburgh and James Madison are no slouches. Both teams have spent uh, some parts of this season ranked. So the second half of the season was extremely more difficult than the first half. And you talk about two toss-up losses against Boston College, which was the most disappointing loss in Satterfield's tenure so far. Um, you should have won the game against Florida State. Syracuse, you can make the case that it is what it is because currently, I mean, they're 6-0. and um, and they look pretty decent. Who would have, who would have thought? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this is a must-win game for Satterfield because if you lose this game, the pathway to bowl eligibility becomes that much more difficult. Um, it's a lot easier. It, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier to beat Pittsburgh, James Madison, and then try to upset one of the four ranked teams you have to play than lose to Pittsburgh or maybe even lose to James Madison and have to upset two of those teams. So, um, Impossible? No. Improbable? Yes, for sure. So um, to answer your question, it's all about job security for Scott Satterfield. And, you know, Louisville is fighting, but this game against Pittsburgh is really going to set the tone moving forward for the rest of the season. So um, with a loss, it seems like all hope is kind of lost. But even if you win, it's like, okay, you still have work to do. But Pittsburgh is the first step in trying to inch your way closer to six wins. Yeah, and I feel like for Pitt, it's a very similar way in a different way. Um, if they lose yeah. this game, getting to the ACC championship feels like a long cry. And, and they could still do it, obviously. It, even if they're two losses, the Coastal does feel open enough to where if they have two losses on their resume, they could make it at 9-3. But they could not slip up again after that. And that would be the hard part. And going right to Chapel Hill the week after, I mean, that's the big game for Pitt. And I think that mm -hmm. may be a storyline here for Pitt is coming off a bye – they're going to be fresher, but you know the mine is going to be in Chapel Hill next week because, let's be real, that's going to probably, if Pitt wins this game, that's a big if. Pitt has to win this one first. That could that could decide the Coastal next week. That could decide who comes out of the ACC Coastal and goes to Charlotte. And so I think Pitt, in a similar vein, has to win this one because it feels like if they lose this one or overlook this one and, and fall to four and three, that 
everything kind of just goes off to the side and, and Pitt is going to be much worse off for it in the standings. And at that point, you're just fighting for a higher bowl standing rather than anything. In this matchup particularly, you know, you and I talked, um, I want to say it was like late July when we discussed this matchup when we had a crossover podcast, going back to how you felt about this matchup back then. I know you and I were both kind of circling it as one of those like, okay, both of these teams could come in in a very interesting situation. Obviously, they are interesting situations, you know, for better or for worse. How do you feel about this matchup now on October, what is it, 20th, versus how you did back in July? I feel very similar ways. Um, I thought that both these teams would be a little better. I, I think it kind of <laughs> came into the expectation you were thinking they'd be 5-1. and one. Um, right. I think Louisville, you were thinking maybe they'd be 4-2, and 5-1, and one because they had the, the veteran presence of Malik Cunningham, and, and it felt like that was this is kind of the year if Scott Satterfield's going to get it done. Um, that, that they're going to turn that wheel and, and go forward. So you thought maybe this could be a potential matchup like the 2021 was um, where these two teams were ranked um, last time they met. Um, so you thought maybe that was possible. Um, neither of the teams are going to end up ranked, obviously, here. Um, but it, it's a toss-up matchup. I mean, on Bet Online this week, this opened as a straight pick Um It's now moved a little bit towards Louisville, I think, now that Malik Cunningham is clearly going to probably suit up in this one and play. Um, but th- th- that's how close these teams are right now. So this one right. is about as tossed as you can. It was the only straight pick on that bet online spreadsheet that I looked at all this week. So these two teams are about as evenly matched as you could find right now in the country coming into this one in the eyes of Vegas. And I think that means a lot in terms of how we look at this game, because there's going to be so many different scenarios. I think that we can run through that could really tear either way. You can see a Louisville blowout happening. You can see a Pitt blowout happening. Or you can see in the middle, which I think ends up happening, and this one's going to be a close one down to the very end. But uh, I think that's the intrigue of this match. It's such a close game between two teams in similar positions in a lot of ways, but for different reasons. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into the next uh, thing I want to talk about, and that's kind of looking at those key matchups because, like you mentioned, um, it's seemingly very even you know, from a Vegas standpoint. Usually Vegas doesn't really deviate far from uh, what ends up happening, um, but I think it could come down to a couple key battles in terms of what ends up deciding um, this game in particular. We're going to talk about some of those um, here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Sweat Block. Look, I am a big recreational basketball player. Um, I missed my calling for the NBA along with my uh, lack of height. Um, you know, only being 5'10", it's a little tough. Um, but regardless, uh, with me getting older, kind of getting out of my prime at 24 now, so um, I'm, I'm sweating a lot more. So um, my usual deodorant was something that I wasn't necessarily too awful um, satisfied with. So when I switched to sweat block, um, the results spoke for themselves. Um, it has been a game changer both on the court and afterwards as well in the car on the car ride home. So uh, definitely check out sweat block. It was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is a doctor created and doctor recommended product. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with the promo code Locked On. That is two words, Locked On at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. So, 
You're listening or watching, depending on what your uh, medium that you're using, to a special locked over crossover podcast between two ACC podcasts, Locked On Louisville. I'm Dalton Pence. That's the host of Locked On Pitt, Nick Faribault. Nick, we're looking at the key matchups um, when it comes to this particular game. I know that there's one for the Pittsburgh offense that you're definitely looking at um, for Pat Narduzzi's offense. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell the viewers about what you're looking at in particular? Yeah, I think obviously the pit run game is the the highlight of this team. I mean, this is the reason why Pitt has been able to win a lot of games, keep a lot of games close. Um, it has been consistently good. Now they don't rank super high in terms of gross yardage or anything like that, but they are a grounded pound, stick it to them type of team. And we know what Israel Abanikanda can do. Um, arguably, has been the best back in the ACC this year. Everyone saw what he did against Virginia Tech, 320 yards, breaking Tony Dorsett's record, six touchdowns in that game. He is truly one of the most dynamic runners, not just in the ACC, in the country. Um, he has a gear that most guys are not going to have, former track athlete and state-winning champion, actually, in New York. Um, so he is a special athlete. But there's also going to be another wrinkle in this one. Uh, Rodney Hammond's going to be back, and, and that's Pitt's number two running back, but when him and Abani Kander are both healthy, they like to get both of them in because Hammond's a little bit of a different type of style. He's small, and you wouldn't expect it, but he's a hard-hitting guy. He's very quick on his feet. Um, if you're a Pitt fan, I think a lot of people have already drawn this comparison. It reminds you a lot of Deion Lewis um, from back in the day. Quick oh, yeah. cuts, hard hitter, grinding out the yards. He will be a tough matchup. Um, coming back now has missed every game since uh, West Virginia when he got hurt in that one. He was tearing up the Mountaineers on the ground where Pitt really couldn't find much success outside of him in that one because they just keyed in on Israel banning Canada that day. But Hammond was the one that, that kind of took the, the hammer to the nail and really lodged it in. Um, and that's, I think, what Pitt's going to try and do here is use that one-two punch and go into this front of Louisville that is much improved, that is proving – to be very stout and they're going to try and run the football because that's where Pitt makes their money. So the question is going to be, can this offensive line for Pitt open up the lanes for Hammond and Banny Kend? And if they can, I think Pitt has a really good shot in this one because you see what they can do when they are running the football consistently. And that's just control the game and force teams to conform to their style. And that's what Pitt, I think, mm -hmm. wants to do in a lot of these games. And it also, it also opened up the passing game for Keaton Slovis over the middle of the field um, behind them. Um, so I think that's a key as well to get going, try to get that passing game going a little bit uh, off the run game. But I want to go now to Louisville because Louisville has one really key matchup that you look at. And it's really not like a receiver versus a corner or running back versus a run defense or anything like that. It's one man versus an entire group of, of linebackers, defense, whatever you want. It's basically Malik Cunningham versus Pitt because you look at the leading rusher, the leading passer, Basically, the leader in everything for this Louisville offense, it's one man. It's Malik Cunningham. He's the big matchup to watch. Yeah, and he's back after um, missing that game against Virginia. Um, and like you said, I think the Louisville offense is tailor-made to support the strengths of Malik Cunningham. Um, but that also kind of puts a lot of responsibility on him because he's such a big factor to where if he's not having a good game, it is a direct, um, you know, association with the offensive success like if if Keaton Slovis doesn't have a good game well possibly the rushing attack helps that out uh and maybe vice versa probably maybe not necessarily so much the other way around but regardless uh any other program usually out there I mean 
if one aspect of the offense isn't really hitting or firing, then the other one may be, and that can kind of save it. But the the impact that Malik Cunningham has, it's on the rushing attack. It's on the passing attack. Um, you know, Louisville is a predominantly um, kind of rush team. So they're kind of like Pittsburgh in, in that realm. They try to assert the run, which they've done a pretty solid uh, job of doing. But like you, like you said, I think it, that's kind of the key matchup each and every week. It's Malik Cunningham taking on the other guys across the field. Now, granted, Louisville has some very, very talented skill players, and they've got a good offensive line. But at the end of the day, um, because of the fact that you know there's a lot of RPOs in the offense, there's a lot of design quarterback runs, um, you know, Malik Cunningham's success kind of dictates the offense success, success as a whole. So, yeah, I think you're kind of right on that. Um, but I think another key aspect of this is going to be, um, I think Louisville's offense, it's getting better week by week. Defensively is the issue. Um, one thing that I'm looking forward to, Scott Satterfield said in his weekly press conference that Pittsburgh had the best offensive line that the team was going to face this season. It's a very much improved the Louisville defensive line as well, fifth in the nation in sacks entering last week. I know that's probably changed now with the bye week, um, but a lot of tackles for loss as well. So I'm interested to see with Pittsburgh losing their left tackle, how does that change moving forward? Yeah, look, the thing with Carter Warren being out for the year, and, and that's a legitimate loss. We're not just talking about a really good college left tackle. We're talking about a guy that's going to be in the NFL next year. He'll be picked in the NFL draft. So Carter Warren's a legitimate loss for Pitt. They have been playing without him, though. They have two weeks now of experience without him. Mm-hmm. So that is is good. And they're going to get their starting center, Owen Drexel, back, who is out with the leg injury since the Tennessee game. Um, so that will be a boon to their offensive line as well. They've been kind of moving around the offensive line a lot. They've been rotating on the offensive line, trying to figure out their best rotation. And I, I think they found it at this point with left tackle Branson Taylor, who is now the starter. The last two weeks, he's been really good. Uh, their backup young redshirt sophomore left tackle now in Branson Taylor has proven himself to be quite good. Now, this is a leaky offensive line at times because, again, they rotate a lot. Um, they But Owen Drexel getting back is going to be interesting. We haven't really seen him a lot this year. He's a solid center. He's not a great center. He's a solid center, though. He'll kind of hold his own. And that's kind of going to be the question, though, of, well, what does that mean for the rest of the offensive line? Marcus Miner on the left side, left guard, is solid. Again, not super great, but solid. Um, Then on the right side, that's going to be where you kind of wonder what happens. Jake Cradle, who's been filling in at center, was the team's starting right guard. Does he take that over? Or does Gabe Hoy, who was the starting who was the starting right tackle, stay there? And McInsolvis, who's been the starting right tackle, has played well filling in for Hoy's start there. So it's kind of going to be like who starts there. We don't truly know yet. We won't know until the first snap of the game comes out. But Pitt rotates on their offensive line, so you're probably going to see more guys coming in. You're going to see multiple guys at right guard and right tackle. Um, It's a good offensive line. I wouldn't call it a great offensive line. There's been issues with pass protection. There's been issues with um, communication. I think that's been the biggest thing. Without Drexel, without their center, they haven't been sliding to the right side. They haven't been able to communicate overall. And I think that's been a massive issue for Pitt. They've been really good in the ground game. They just haven't been able to protect Keen Slovis. And then there's also the fact that Keen Slovis has really killed that unit a lot, running into pressure, holding onto the ball too lot, so, uh, too long. So we'll kind of see how that works out. It's a good offensive line. I wouldn't call it a great offensive line. With Carter Warren, I think it's a great offensive line. Um, but I, also, when you look at Louisville, 
Pitt has struggled in the passing game, but they do have a few good receivers, Kadani Mumfield, Jared Wayne. Um, they, these guys are good receivers. The secondary for Louisville looks suspect um, right now, and that's going to be a matchup to watch if Keaton Slowis can get going. Go. I definitely agree there, and, and I think that it's just a matter of I'm looking to see if there's anything schematically that's going to change with the Louisville defense, especially in the secondary when it comes to how they're going to approach the Pittsburgh passing game. It, it might be a little bit of a challenge, obviously, with the Pittsburgh rushing mm-hmm. attack. But, um, yeah, I think that your key matchups for the Cardinals, it's Malik Cunningham against the whole defense, and it's the battle in the trenches for the Louisville defensive line going up against Pittsburgh. Um, outside of, you know, the passing attack for Keaton Slovis and, and um, that receiving core and um, the dynamic rushing attack, is there any other key matchups that you're looking at in this matchup? Uh, just special teams. Pitts had, I think, Rocky special teams. Some weeks it's been phenomenal. Other weeks it's been the worst Almost in the world. the same way, so. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, Pitts had two blocked punts this year against them. They've also blocked punts. Um, they The, the Kagan situation with Ben Sauls has been up and down. Recently, he's kind of found his footing. Sam Vanderhaar, the freshman punter, has also recently found his footing. Pitt finally has uh, their returner in MJ Devonshire, who is one of their starting corners. He took a, a touchdown back a few weeks ago at the punt return game. But it is still up and down. It's volatile. Um, they almost lost the game against Virginia Tech. It, they were up 31-16, allowed a blocked punt touchdown, um, and that brought Virginia Tech back into the game, but Pitt still closed the door on them. So it's something to watch. Um, the third phase of the game always is something that we don't really talk about a lot on shows like this, but I think you have to key in on overall. Um, but I do want to now move to predictions. Let's talk a little bit more uh, about just the overall game, our feelings about this. But first, folks, I want to let you all know about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. And listen, this Louisville pit game, it's over there. Again, it's a straight pick em. So feel free. You don't get to pick who covers. You got to pick who wins. It's like you're betting a money line. But on this one, it's a straight pick em between Pitt and Louisville. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, analysis this season. And as always... BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-moment score updates for every sport out there, including the MLB, MMA, boxing, NFL, college football, everything you could ever want. Head to BetOnline or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Dalton, let's get into this. Let's talk about the game as a whole. What is the feeling for Louisville heading into this one? How do you feel coming off the bye and seeing kind of what happens? Um, I feel cautious to be optimistic because every turn that I've become optimistic for this team this season, I've been shown immediately why I should not be optimistic. So, um, I think I'm cautious with this one. I, I ultimately think that this is going to be a tough uh, matchup for Louisville um, because, you know, they over the past couple of weeks, yeah, they held Virginia to six rushing yards, but that's not an offense that really runs the ball that much. Boston College was one of the rush, worst rushing offenses in the country, and they made them look solid. And uh, tackling has been an issue with the uh, dynamic rushing attack that Pittsburgh has. 
Um, I, I definitely think that that's going to be a, an issue. Now, granted, they did do something a, against a solid Florida State rushing attack, but at the end of the day, um, Louisville, for me to be confident in them, they're going to have to prove me wrong. They're going to have to win one of these 50-50 games against the team that they maybe aren't supposed to beat, or if they are supposed to beat, it's very, very close. And if it's a pick em, it's a 50-50 game, and the Louisville just has not been good at that consistently. So feeling coming into this game is, hey, look, if you win, that's great, but I'm not expecting too much. Yeah, I think you look at the game overall as well, and for Pitt, it's a tough one. I think that... Louisville defensively doesn't have a super weakness other than that the intermediate part of the field is a big area where a lot of teams have attacked mm -hmm. them thus far this year. Um, and that's kind of where Keaton Slowis likes to live when he can live. And I think that's one of the things that I look at in this game, where you see Louisville's stats in the ACC defensively all really good, including rushing defense. That's sixth in the ACC, but it's only 133.8 yards per game. And, and NCAA, that's not too bad um, overall for Louisville. So they're a decent run defense. They're not a great run defense, but they get after the quarterback, as you mentioned, with all of those sacks. Um, they average three, almost four sacks per game. That's leading the ACC right now. Um, so that's going to be key. But I do think Pitt likes to live in that intermediate part of the field. The question is going to be, can they put up Keaton Slovis? And who's going to step up a receiver? Because Pitt... Just lost Jaden Bard, uh, Jalen Bradley, rather, um, to the transfer port, who was one of their receivers that was starting to step up. Now, there's a lot of drama behind the scenes there that caused that, um, but Pitt hasn't found their footing passing offense wise. And when they've been at their best, second half against West Virginia, first half against Tennessee, why that they compete with Tennessee and lead them in the first half there was because Keen Slovis was on fire. They were already had explosive plays. They were able to just hit all those shot plays. The, so the question is going to be out of the bye week as Pitt was ready to reset. Is Keaton Slovis going to be ready to take the next step? And if he is, Pitt's offense is going to be a top 25 caliber offense. And I think that's the difference of Pitt's ascension versus Pitt just kind of wading back into the waters um, in this one. I think that's going to be the key thing because Pitt has struggled. Keaton Slovis has not been very good this season. Their receivers have struggled to separate and consistently catch the ball and make those tough catches when they needed to. Um, and, and as a result, teams have just kind of keyed in on uh, Jay, 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 uh, Jared Wayne, rather, um, their number one receiver, and tight end Gavin Bartholomew, um, which has been an issue for this Pitt passing attack. But it's all really up to Keaton Slovis and Frank Signetti to get these things working in 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 movement um, because mm -hmm. they have not been in lockstep with one another all year. And I think that's going to be an interesting kind of battle um, in this game of who can kind of find their footing. Um, Pitt kind of had to get right game where they put up 45 against Virginia Tech, but they only did that on the ground. The passing game was still really bad in that game. So is the passing game going to come around? I think that's the biggest question overall. But let, let's throw out predictions right now. Dalton, I'll give it to you first. What do you feel? Well, if you can tell by my tone, I'm going to predict a Pittsburgh victory and hope like hell I'm wrong. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think that the Cardinals are steadily improving each and every week, but it's the same issues. It's the same mental mistakes. It's the inconsistent. It's the consistent inconsistency. Um, I, I should say, and that's been the 
thing that has plagued the Scott Satterfield era so far. Um, so I think that Pittsburgh wins this game. I think it has the potential to kind of be in the in the median area. I think you know. 31 to 28 is an interesting score. Um, I don't think that this game will be too big of a shootout. Um, for some reason, I feel like uh, the teams are just going, it's going to be kind of a, a messy game for teams trying to get their passing offense going. And, and the defense is really keying in on stopping the run. So I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh victory here at the end of the day. I think that, um, you know, the dynamic rushing attack for the Panthers is going to be just a little bit too much uh, with the passing attack just kind of being. Um, in a bad spot, I think that Keaton Slovis might have his get right game, so to speak. So, um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh victory here. I, I think it could, could go either way though. It's going to depend on, you know, uh, you know, uh, depending on turnovers and things of that nature and also penalties as well. Two things that, uh, have kind of been, uh, here and there for Louisville. So, yeah. And that's going to be the big thing for Pitt. What in the world do they get from Keaton Slovis? I don't know if they can win just off of Israel, Banny Canada, and Rodney Hammond. Um, I think that's obviously a massive part of the key to victory in any game they play as these two guys go in. But are, you're telling me that you're going to beat Louisville the same way you can beat Virginia Tech. I'm not really buying it. Virginia Tech's probably the worst team in the ACC. At least it's either them or Virginia right now. Um, you're not they, so, so the Pitt's beaten Western Michigan by running the football really well. Rhode Island by running the football really well and Virginia Tech. And they tried to do it against Georgia Tech, and they didn't do it. And, and that's the thing that I look at here. It's going to be put-up-or-shut-up time for Keaton Slopes, and he's going to have to step up. These receivers are going to have to step up. This whole offense for Pitt in that passing game is going to have to step up, and we're going to see if they have the get-right game. If, if we see the same offense that came out in that second half against West Virginia and powered them to victory, or in that first half against Tennessee and put them in that position – to win that game, that's going to be the, the difference. And, and Pitt's defense also needs a bounce back game after allowing almost 400 yards to Virginia Tech that had no business happening. Um, so that's going to be something to look at too. Um, can Pitt's defense stay consistent enough um, to keep Pitt afloat in this one, say if the offense starts slow? I do think Pitt in this one matches up well against Louisville, and I think that's one thing in their favor. I think they... The offense is built to stop quarterbacks similar to Malik Cunningham, um, who has kind of the inconsistent deep passing ability every now and then. They're going to force him, I think, to do that. They're going to try and keep him in the pocket. Pitt's defensive line is still really good, um, which is obviously a boon for them every time they go into a stadium. Um, I think Pitt wins this one in a pretty close battle, I, but I do think they win this one. I think we're going to see something like 38-28. Um, I think that makes sense. Close. I just add the 10 points. I think maybe a late touchdown by, say, Israel Banikander or something. Um, as to that, I think that's kind of the game we see. I think this one's going to be a close matchup, though, and I think Louisville easily, easily can swing this game the other way because Pitt's inconsistent on both sides of the football, and it's really not the same issue each week. It's kind of a different issue each week, so I have no idea what the issue will be this week. Sometimes they're really good tacklers. Sometimes they're bad tacklers. Sometimes it looks like they have a cohesive run defense, and other times they just got gaps wide open and you're gone for 70 yards out of nowhere. <laughs> it has done that before against these teams where they have held them to, say, like one yard per carry throughout the whole game, and then there's just a 70-yard touchdown bust. And that's been the one thing with the defense. They haven't necessarily given up consistent 14, 15-play drives. It's the issue of, oh, there's one mental mistake, and there goes 
the explosive play the other way. So I think that's kind of what you got to watch for Pitt. I definitely agree there. And I, I think like, like you mentioned, I think that the, the key takeaway from this is that it's probably equally as important of a game, but for different reasons. And it's is equally as matched of a, an equally as big of a matchup for both teams for different reasons. So I think that it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, like I said um, beforehand, you can find both of these podcasts on all streaming services um, to check out the Louisville side of things at Locked On the Louisville or at LO underscore Louisville, I should say, is the Locked On the Louisville Twitter page uh, on YouTube as well. WHAS 11 plus in the local uh, stratosphere. Nick, do us a favor. Plug us into your social media. It seems like you write for about 12 different places. Mm-hmm. Um, where where can we find your work? Where can we find Locked On Pit? Yeah, you can read uh, Pit and Steeler stuff at Pittsburgh Sports Now. Uh, make sure to check that stuff out. Obviously, head over to Locked On Pit to listen to the Locked On Pit podcast all week. I'll be giving info out there. Follow me at Nick underscore Faribaugh. Talking about this game all week as well. So make sure to listen to Locked On Pit. Again, I'm on all platforms, just like Locked On Louisville. You can find me wherever Locked On Louisville is on all those platforms as well. And search up Locked On Louisville, search up Locked On Pit, but also as well, I'd be remiss if I didn't have a Locked On uh, crossover with another ACC school for the first time this season without giving a shout-out to Locked On ACC, hosted by Candace Cooper. Be sure to check out that uh, podcast as well. It does a great job of covering the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, landscape as a whole. But as far as this crossover goes, that's going to wrap up this Thursday edition of this Locked On, Locked On Crossover Thursday podcast. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here on the respective shows tomorrow.